This is the Praying with the Eyes podcast, episode 53, Going Old School. In this podcast, I muse about the good old days of black and white and film photography and the lessons they teach us about life. Welcome to the Praying with the Eyes podcast. Your host is Doug Bronner, senior pastor at Holy Cross Lutheran Church in Colorado Springs, Colorado. As an avid photographer, Doug combines the beauty of God's creation with the beauty of His Word in a Praying with the Eyes devotional blog. Thanks for tuning in to today's podcast. I purchased my first serious camera, an Olympus OMG, a month or so after our oldest son, Joel, was born. I had wanted a, a camera and I kind of used that as an excuse. I've, I've shared that story before, but it, it's still, I'm still amazed that Janice allowed me to buy it. Um, we didn't have a lot of money in those days. It was like my first call in, in Lincoln, Nebraska, and we had just had Joel. And, and yet uh, I got this uh, Olympus OMG. I think it cost me around $100, which in 1984 was not, not cheap. And, uh, I, I used the excuse to, of buying that so that I would take pictures of Joel. And uh, I, I, I did. I did take pictures of him, but I also uh, took a lot of pictures of landscape photography. I remember especially, we, uh, we, I bought the camera out in Oregon, so I didn't have to pay a sales tax when I was uh, living in Nebraska. I saved a little bit of money. And it was one of the few times, only a few times, a handful of times, that I've been to Crater Lake in Oregon. And if you're ever out in Oregon, you really got to get to Crater Lake sometime. It's an amazing experience. I know it's kind of out of the way to get there, but just absolutely impressive. And and so uh, I took a lot of pictures while I was there. And of course, this is 1984, so it's a film camera, or what we like to call today an analog camera. You know, we've got analog and digital in the world, right? So analog has become... Uh, uh, the the term that's used for anything that's not digital that's not on and off and in a sense it is because it uses chemicals and and I know that analog has stuff to do with changes in properties of chemicals and so forth and you got emulsions on film and I guess there's an argument about whether we should really call film photography uh, uh, di- um, analog photography but be that as it may I don't want to get into that too much. Um, but anyway, I, I, I fell in love with photography even before I bought that camera. It's one of the reasons why I bought that, that uh, single lens reflex camera. In fact, I took it out recently and, and I loaded it with some film and I'm starting to take pictures with it again. Uh, but somewhere around 2005 is when I bought my first r- very simple digital camera uh, and started taking pictures with it. I wasn't really happy with the quality of the pictures we're getting in those cameras, but it was, you know, I didn't have to pay for film or development. So I started using that, but I was still shooting film a little bit, but somewhere around 2009, I stopped shooting film and went to uh, digital completely to digital. So I bought another Olympus camera and I don't remember the the name of it right now, a 10 megapixel uh, DSLR camera. And I started shooting completely with it. I mean, it was, it was so convenient. Uh, It didn't cost me anything to have the, the pictures developed. And so I started shooting a lot of pictures and still have some of those on my digital files someplace uh, out there in cyberspace or on some hard drive. But anyway, uh, I started shooting all the time with that. 
But as some of you know, just recently I purchased a my first medium format, which is larger film, 120 film, uh, a film camera, uh, Bronica SQA, and I love to take pictures with this. And so I'm finding myself right now returning to film photography. Not only am I uh, loading up an old camera that I have with film and my uh, Bronica, a friend of mine in our congregation just gave me uh, another film camera body and I love it. I'm looking forward to putting a roll of film in it and going around taking pictures again with film. I understand there's still that expense. And yes, I keep getting people keep asking me, was there places that still develop them? Yeah, there's plenty of places that still develop film for you in your town. Uh, and, and we have a couple here in Colorado Springs that I take it to. In fact, now I'm not... Uh, I'm not having prints made of those pictures. I'm simply having the negatives developed. And so what I've done is I made a purchase recently of chemicals and the equipment needed to develop my own film. But I, 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 I have now this world, a different world than I had when I first started shooting after Joel was born. I now can mix up both the analog world of film photography with the digital world as I scan those pictures and then work on them in Lightroom. So that's something different. It's made film photography even more interesting. Now, uh, today's podcast is not about it's not a film photography podcast, though I'm listening to a great one right now. I love it. I love this podcast. It's not, I, I've uploaded, I don't know how many of their past podcasts and listening to them. It's so much fun. Anyway, um, this is a podcast. And I, I started asking myself, why? Why is it that I want to, to take pictures again on film instead of with my digital camera? There's a, a, a lot more work that goes into film photography. I can't take as many pictures as I do with film. There's more expense in film. So why in the world would I want to, to do this at this point in my life? Well, for me, there's an analogy. And I was sharing this with a few people lately. There's an analogy in film photography to where I am in my life right now. As I consider, as I ponder my life and I find some analogies. And so that's what I want to do with you today. I want to, to make this kind of an extended Monday morning muses. If you, any of you listen to my uh, Monday morning muses, you'll understand what I'm talking about. And, and muse for a while with you about the connection between film photography and life in general. I got some blogs that I've been reading that talk about uh, film photography and in relationships, not just film photography we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about shooting in black and white and analogies between uh, that, uh, why uh, black and white, why is it so interesting to shoot pictures again in black and white. I have a, a couple that I'm looking at right now in my studio as I'm uh, recording this podcast and I find them interesting. I have, I just enjoy my studio uh, right now, I put up a couple of pictures I took from Honduras. I have two of my dad's paintings sitting right across from me. I have a picture of our family before uh, grandkids and and uh, uh, just some different artwork. And behind me is a picture I took recently uh, up on Cottonwood Pass. Uh, it's kind of a sanctuary for me in here uh, in my office. Anyway, uh, the Praying with the Ice podcast is a ministry of Holy Cross Lutheran Church in Colorado Springs, Colorado, where I am a senior pastor and privileged to be uh, serving this community. You can find out more about Holy Cross by going to our website, 
holycrosscs.org. Again, that's holycrosscs.org. The Praying with the Eyes ministry, which is a part of Holy Cross, also has a website. And it's kind of obvious. All you need to do is go to prayingwiththeeyes.com, and you can find their daily devotional blogs as well. And uh, and you can subscribe to those daily devotional blogs. Right now, I've got six people, uh, six of us that are writing. We've had a, a few people that have had to take a break from writing those blogs, and I miss them. But hopefully, some of them will be able to come back in the future. And so, uh, just a, a quick daily thought for you to. If you subscribe to it up in the right-hand corner, to get you'll get it by email. And uh, we'd love for you to, to do that. And if you have questions or thoughts concerning this podcast today, I'd love to hear from you. All you got to do is email me at questions at prayingwiththeeyes.com. Going deeper, you're listening to the Praying With The Eyes podcast. If you want, you can subscribe to the Praying with the Eyes podcast at iTunes. And while you're there, if you would leave a review, it'll be helpful and uh, to making these podcasts better. I hope that they're adding value to your life. So what I want to do in this segment of the podcast is go over five different things that uh, I find important in film photography, but then tie them into my life and why they're important. And as I mentioned earlier, that this whole thing is around uh, how I, my my enjoyment of film photography is because I see parallels between what I'm doing in film, shooting film, and in my everyday life. So I hope that you can uh, relate to some of this, even if you don't like photography. I hope you don't turn this podcast off uh, simply because you don't like photography. Uh, I think most of us like to look at pictures, and and you don't have to even understand some of the things I'm going to talk about related to uh, photography, taking pictures. But I do think that what uh, in these five different things related to photography to my, my life, I think you'll find them interesting and maybe something for you to muse upon in your own life as well. So let me go through the five uh, to begin with, and then I'll I'll talk about each one of them. The first one is imperfections. Uh, secondly is uh, surprise. Uh, third is slow down. The fourth is patience. And the fifth one we're going to look at is risk, being risky. So again, um, let's look at the first one, imperfections. In digital photography, everything's on-off. Now, I'm not saying there's no imperfections in digital photography, but in digital photography, everybody's looking for that perfectly crisp, absolutely amazing detail in the pictures. And that's not going to happen in film photography. There are imperfections. You're dealing with a physical uh, matter called film with emulsions on it. And depending on the quality of the film, too, whether how many imperfections there will be in it. Right now, there's a big trend toward uh, lamography, and lamography celebrates imperfections. It was there was a Russian camera, uh, a Lomo camera, L O L O M O, and it was known for its imperfections. And uh, lamography has become a a symbol for embracing the imperfections in photography. And in fact, I've been doing some work with that with my digital camera. What I do is I have a, a, a Lomo effect where I try to create imperfections in a perfect digital 
picture. But with film, you, you, it tends to be imperfect. And, and, it, and that's, I guess that's a great place for us to start, right? Because I think all of us can embrace the fact that, that we have imperfections in us. And imperfections are deeper than just zits on our face or, or um, uh, scars from some past mistake we made or, or something like that. It's at the core of who we are, uh, our imperfections and personality, our imperfections in the core of our being, other words known as sin, uh, that, that we are imperfect human beings. We don't always do what God asks us to do. We do things he tells us not to do. And so there is this imperfection. And so I think getting into film photography, once again, I'm embracing that aspect that there are imperfections. And, and embracing it, I don't mean saying it's good. I'm just saying it's real. And uh, it's got to come under the cross. It's got to come under the mercy of God and Christ Jesus in my life. So the, the, there's that aspect of imperfection. That's a part of a film photography. That's number one. Number two is an element of surprise in film photography. You never really know what you're going to get when you shoot with film. When you're shooting with a digital camera, you can chimp the picture right away. And chimping is one of those words, maybe some of you know, know about it, but you've done it. If you don't know what it is, you've probably done it if you have a digital camera or shoot with your, your cell phone. And so you take the picture, and right away you got to look at it, and it looks spectacular, and you go, ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> so it sounds like a chimp. And so that's where that came from. I did not make this up. This is a popular term today in, in photography. But we, we, chimp, we can chimp it. And I guess there's some element of surprise there, too, but it's so immediate. We all remember when we shot film, right? You'd shoot the roll, and then... At first, when I was shooting film, you didn't have the one-hour places anymore. I used to send my film in to have it developed to some lab like in New York or San Francisco, something like that, and get it back uh, two weeks later. Now, and then it was great when they, these one-hour places came up, right? And you could have them developed right away. And uh, you thought, wow, one hour, I get my pictures back. That's pretty cool. But there's still that element of surprise. So you get in your car. You've all done this if you shot film. You've all done it. Don't kid me by saying you never did this. Before you left the parking lot, before you turned the car on, unless it was winter, you would open up the packet with the, the, the pictures in it and you'd take a look at them. And there was an element of surprise. Now, the element of surprise was not always good, was it? Uh, there were times that... that it, it didn't turn out the way we had hoped it had. I remember the first time that I shot black and white because I really didn't shoot black and white that much with my film camera. And I opened it up thinking I was going to have this high contrasty pictures and everything was flat. And, and, and I didn't realize uh, that shooting black and white took different technique and, and actually a different technique in processing as well. And I was very disappointed. There was not, the surprise was not a good surprise. In life, we have those kind of things too, right? Some of the surprises that happen to us, we embrace and say, this is amazing. I, I never expected this in my life. I don't know for you what it is and, and different surprises that I've had in my life. Uh, one of the surprises for me was that I graduated seminary. Uh, I did fairly well. I shouldn't make it sound like I didn't do very well, but if you knew me in grade school and high school, uh, you would understand what I'm saying. But anyway, you know, some surprises that they're good, but there's also those surprises that we detest. 
the surprises that, that we received a, a couple of weeks ago when we woke up in the morning and found out about the shooting in Las Vegas, those kind of surprises are pretty ugly. And, and, and uh, film reminds me, shooting with film reminds me of surprises, that every day is a surprise. Some of the surprises are good and some are not, but life is filled with those kind of surprises. So number one was imperfections. Number two slow, uh, was a surprise. Number three is slow down. You cannot shoot film at the same pace that you shoot a digital camera. Now, I know there's cameras that you can take multiple shots on film. It still is not going to move as fast. It's not going to take as many pictures. And that's really a waste of film because every shot is precious, right? You got to roll depending on what you're shooting. Like I'm shooting uh, with my Bronica SQA. That's only 12 pictures on a, on a roll. And I've only got 12 shots in there. I'm not going to waste shots. You know, if I'm shooting with my 35 millimeter camera, a film camera, I've got 24 to 36 pictures. There's a little more leeway there, but even there, it's still limited. When I go out to the Garden of Gods with my digital camera, I can take well over 100 pictures in a very short period of time. This doesn't mean all those pictures uh, are, are good, but you can take a lot more pictures. You see, film shooting film makes you slow down because every frame counts. And so what do we do? We spend more time composing the picture uh, and so forth. But um, you got to slow down. In, in, in life, this is kind of an aspirational goal for me is to slow down. Part of it is actually happening to me simply because of the aging process of my body. And that's a natural thing. It just is. I don't recover as fast as I did back in my 40s. Uh, especially in my 30s. You know, 40s for some of you seems like ancient, right? I'll just add a couple of decades to that and you get to my age. And I'm still pretty young, I feel. But yet I <laughs> I, I find myself having to slow down and do, in doing things. I don't walk as fast as I used to. I stopped jogging. Oh, that's killer. Those of you who are joggers, I don't get it. I've not seen a happy jogger yet. That's another That's another podcast at another time. But it's a good thing for us to slow down. And that's kind of, so it's kind of aspirational for me, too, this time of my life, that just selecting the things that I want to do and do them. You know, don't think i got to do everything, because I can't do everything. I can do a few things, and I can enjoy them and, and hopefully do them well. That's why I've chosen uh, photography to be really my only hobby. It takes a lot of time. I enjoy it a great deal, but it, it causes me to slow down and, and say, I, I'm not going to do these other things. I sold a motorcycle to be able to buy a camera, so I could gave, I gave up the hobby of riding motorcycles to be able to do what I do. Well, next one's kind of related to it, related to slow down. The fourth thing that, that's a comparison for me between photography, uh, shooting film, and my life is learning patience. Like I said, it's kind of related to slowing down, but there's kind of a different nuance uh, to it. You have to be patient when you're shooting with film. So uh, the first time I really took my Bronica SQA out, my medium format camera out, I had a roll of 120 film in it. So I had 12 exposures, and I knew I only had 12 exposures. And it took me two hours to shoot that roll of film, just 12 pictures. Two hours. Why did it take me so long? Well, I would sit there and I would 
look, is this first of all the question was, is this is this picture worth taking? Is there what's interesting? What's my subject in this picture? What do I want what do I want to see in this picture? I was also testing the camera, so I wanted to take pictures of different things, some close-ups and some some more distant landscapes. And so it caused me to 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 slow down and be patient. And in being patient, I, I took notes on my settings for each of the pictures I took. So when I had them developed, I could go back and and um, and examine what my settings were on my camera. And I was happy I I did all that because I was I, uh, in fact I've posted some of those uh, pictures on Facebook. But life it takes a lot of patience, doesn't it? Uh, for us, we, we patience with people. Um, I know it's an old cliche, becoming an old cliche, but we we're a society that that wants what it wants when it wants it, and we want it now. I mean, that's the way we we focus on life right now, isn't it? We don't we're not a patient culture. We don't know what patience is. Our time span is about eight to ten uh, uh, ten seconds. It seems like before we're moving on to something else. Uh, we don't have much. Uh, time for things. Our cell phones are one of the, the worst at destroying patience or other media as well that we just don't have the patience we used to have because of of this modern technology because we think we can have everything right now. And I and I I I need to learn patience. And so and this is actually a, a real thing not just an analogy. Taking pictures uh, on film is is causing me to be patient. It's a good byproduct of shooting film, and it's an enjoyable byproduct of shooting film. I thought I was going to be really antsy about this when I took out my camera and think, "Oh, I got to take all. I want to take more pictures. Well, how can I only take twelve? But it's quite the opposite. I'm enjoying slowing down and waiting for the light. You know, I was out at the Garden of Gods where I took nine pictures in one hour, and I was waiting for the light. Unfortunately, the light never happened like I wanted it to. Okay, so we've talked about four different comparisons so far. Imperfections, surprise, slowing down, and patience. And the fifth one is that element of risk. It's risky to take pictures on film. It's kind of related to what we've already talked about in some ways, uh, but the risk is I, I I don't know what's going to happen. So let's go back to taking your film in, right? You, you have it developed, or if you're developing it yourself, you take it to your dark room, and you get everything set. You do all everything you're supposed to do. Finally, it's developed. The the, the film is fixed, and you're you're fine. And you look at your negatives, and there's nothing there. You spent two hours shooting pictures. You spent however long developing those pictures. And it's blank. Something was wrong with the camera. Something was wrong with your settings. Uh, you weren't paying attention. Maybe you didn't, uh, didn't thread the film correctly, whatever. There's an element of risk more so than there is in digital photography. At least in digital photography, you, you catch it right away because you chimp your picture and you can see whether it, it, uh, you got what you were looking for. And I've had that experience where, where it didn't. you know, And so you fix whatever was wrong. I would think this is especially true in flash photography. It's hard for me, even with digital photography, to get my flash correct. And so I can make the adjustments because I can see the picture right away. I haven't got that option 
in film photography, I could shoot a whole roll of film of a portrait session with somebody and not know whether I got it right or not. You know, that's, and, and they're paying me money for it and so forth. There's risk involved, and so there is in life too. It's not, you know, we try to minimize risk, don't we? I think that as I, as I compare shooting with film to my life, is that I try to minimize the risk. And why do I want to minimize the risk? Because I really am trying to minimize my pain. I don't like pain. And when I take a risk and it fails, there's pain involved. Whether it's emotional pain, spiritual pain, or physical pain, pain is definitely a part of that process. And it's risky. It's very risky to... to take ourselves out there and expose ourselves to failure. And yet when you shoot with film, that's what you're doing all the time. You're, you're risking failure and not knowing about that failure until uh, way down in the process. Anyway, those are some comparisons between film photography and life. Connecting the beauty of God's Word with the beauty of creation. You're listening to the Praying with the Eyes podcast. There are comparisons between shooting with film and our life, but there's also some comparisons I want to make between shooting pictures in black and white versus color and our lives. And some of this might be a little bit repetitious. I hope not uh, get you to think a little bit again. Once again, I would encourage you to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, especially as adding value to it that's causing you to think, muse about your life, uh, to go to iTunes and subscribe. And if you would leave a review, I would deeply appreciate it. We've had five different points of connection with film. There's going to be four things I want to talk about in black and white photography and life. And, and I'll go through these again. It's mystery. Use of negative uh, use of negative space, emotions, and minimalism. Now you're probably wondering, what does all this mean? Well, that's what I'm here for. I'm here to explain that as best I can. But it's a mystery. Now I'd like you to think about Ansel Adams for a day. He's a photographer that most all of us know about, uh, and he shot predominantly in black and white using his large format camera on the top of his car. He spent a great deal of time in Yosemite and not just with the equipment on his car, backpacking all of his equipment into a location to shoot. He popularized the zone system of shooting, which I still don't quite understand. But anyway, um, he shot most of his pictures in black and white. And try to imagine now if he'd shot those pictures in color, especially the ones in Yosemite National Park would they have been as popular, as meaningful in color as they are in black and white? And I use Ansel Adams because you think when you think of landscape photography, you think predominantly of color pictures. I mean, that's what I do with most of my landscape uh, pictures. They're, they're in color. If it's the middle of the afternoon, I might be tempted to do some in black and white because of the harsh tones and lighting at that time. And you'll often hear photographers say, well, it's a black and white day. And uh, you kind of get that uh, that idea, well, nothing's going to turn out in color, therefore we'll shoot in black and white. Uh, 
Well, what about just plain shooting in black and white no matter what? Why would somebody do that? Why would I embrace uh, shooting in black and white along with film photography? Now, I'm going to be honest and say that most of my black and white photography is not shot on film. I'm hoping to do that sometime down the road. I, when I get my development kit, I'm starting with color. And I'll develop my skills bit first in color. And then I will move over to black and white. I always thought, I always heard that it was easier to develop films in black and white. But what I'm hearing now is that it's easier to do color. And so I'll find out by uh, when I start developing myself. But anyway, um, we think about uh, developing uh, the, the film and and I, I don't do that. <laughs> All of my black and whites are taken on digital. And uh, most of the time I actually take them in color and then I uh, convert it eventually to uh, to black and white. And and although this week, because of uh, this podcast and some musing I've been doing, I actually went out to my backyard and shot a bunch of pictures in black and white. And by the way, if you're a photographer and you're in a rut, just go out into your backyard and force yourself to find something to take pictures of. I think my, my neighbors must think I'm crazy because I'm out there every week at least taking pictures of ginger, uh, Callie, the birds flowers, grass, <laughs> you name it, I'm out there taking pictures of it. Uh, the backyard is one of the best places to practice your, your craft of photography. A little side note there. But anyway, um, so I just want a little disclaimer there that I don't shoot in black and white film yet. I'm hoping to do that. Get a roll of either Ilford HP5 or, or a Tri-X 400 and uh, shoot with them. One of these days, it's coming. It's going to happen. But I'd like four different uh, comparisons here between uh, black and white photography and life. And the first, you know, I, I may, maybe I should have left this one to last, but I put it first because I find it to be the most prominent for me, and that is the aspect of mystery. There is an aspect of mystery to black and white photographs, good black and white photographs. Yeah, and I'll say this again probably in, in down the road and other points of comparison too, but color dis is distracting. And in black and white forces us to ask what's going on in this, this picture, what's, what's happening in this picture. And, and black and white pictures are much more open to interpretation than color pictures. And so in life, we think about life being a mystery. And can we embrace the mystery? As I get older, I'm finding myself embracing mystery much more than I did in the past. I think intellectually I've always embraced mystery, especially in the Christian faith. There's... There's a lot of mystery to the Christian faith. We can't rationalize everything. If we could, then God no longer is God. God is, God is rational. I'm not saying he isn't, but there's also mystery to God. And there's, there's stuff we will never know about God unless he reveals it to us. And what he revealed to us is in his word. And there's still so much more mystery uh, to God and who he is and to our faith and to our walk in Christ. And I think we want to celebrate the mystery 
not always understanding everything. And the ability God gives us then in mystery to dig deeper into the mystery. Isn't that what mystery is supposed to do? Isn't mystery not supposed to chase us away but draw us in? And I, and I find myself being drawn in more to the mystery of who God is and how he acts in our life and into the sacrament itself and, and realizing the mystery that is so much there that Christ is truly present and there's forgiveness and grace and mercy poured out for us in that mystery. And that's a comparison I make with black and white photography. You watch, look at so many black and white pictures and there's, there's a mysterious element that allows us to interpret the picture, right? Uh, you stand in front of it for a while and you say, what did the photographer see? And we'll probably never know, but we ask a question. Now, that was number one. Number two, and you may have been confused when I listed this out earlier, is the use of negative space. Well, what is negative space? Well, negative space in a picture, and probably paintings and other forms of, of art, is a space where nothing's going on, nothing's happening. So here's the best way to picture it. I think if you, if you think about taking a picture of a, of a hawk flying through the sky, and it's a, it's a uh, blue sky, and, or gray sky if it's black and white, and more than likely the photographer is going to picture that bird flying into the empty space or negative space in that picture. And in doing so, it creates kind of this anticipation of motion that happens when that bird flies toward, is flying toward, even though it's, it's captured in stillness, it has this, this kind of feel that it's flying into that negative uh, space. And, and the negative space is where nothing is happening. And I'm realizing in my life that, that, is, that I need times of negative space. I need times when I will sit back and nothing's happening. It's in those moments when um, I may not like it, but I usually discover something about myself. And it's one of the things I really fight. I fight negative space. You know, it's like taking a picture again where you put everything into that picture and you realize there's too much or you don't know where to focus. And that's the way life appears sometimes. Black and white pictures have a way of utilizing negative space um, more creatively than a color picture. It's more prominent and it does more things, even though it's not filled with things. And, and and my this is more an aspirational thing for me again is that I need I need more of that negative space I need more of that time of not doing something and, and allowing God to go into that negative space of my life and reveal things to me that I I need to know both the good and the things that need to change so I make a comparison there again about the use of negative space especially in black and white now negative space is also valuable in color pictures but uh, maybe not as much so in black and white. So we've talked about mystery and use of negative space. Uh, there's a third aspect of comparison here between life and black and white photography, and that's emotions. Have you ever noticed how black and white pictures are usually all about emotion? Even if it's a still life, it's still about emotion. Even if it's a landscape, it's about emotion. It's what's happening in the picture. 
But more prominent than anything is in portrait photography. Black and white portrait photography tends to be more emotional, once again, because you strip away the color, that distracting color we've talked about before. In, in, in black and white and in the grays that come in between, you really focus in much more on the emotion of the person. You're not distracted by all the other stuff that, that's going on in the picture. Ted Grant, who's an, a, a Canadian photographer, said, when you photograph people in color, you photograph their clothes. But when you photograph people in black and white, you photograph their souls. And, and maybe you've felt that before when you've looked at a black and white picture. And, and for me, the point of comparison here is, is uh, as I'm growing older, and uh, I don't have as much testosterone in my body anymore. I become more, much more in touch with the emotional side of my life and how important emotions are. I, I, I've always been a guy, anyway, who's pretty in touch with those emotions for, for men. And, and it, emotions can be a good thing. And, and sensing emotion, um, it's the way God created us. You know, we, we feel happy, we feel sad. We were hurt and we're glad. And, and, you know, all those comparisons about emotions that are part of our life. We're angry. We're peaceful. I, I do think that we spend a great deal of time denying our emotions and not, and probably in a healthy way, trying not to let our emotions guide our decision-making process. But they got to be a part of the decision-making process. I mean, it's there. We can't deny those emotions. It's a part of our life. I, again, I think as I'm, I'm progressing in life, I'm just much more comfortable with emotion. And um, more that's, that's relative. I want you to understand that's relative. I'm not saying that emotions still don't at times um, cause me to feel uncomfortable because they absolutely do. Uh, but becoming to realize that emotions are part of life and emotions are part of that black and white photography world. So the last point I want to make a comparison is on minimalism. We've talked about mystery and use of negative space, emotions, and minimalism. It, it, uh, black, and, black and white pictures have a way of, of stating what the picture is all about. I keep getting back to this comment about distraction. Color has a way of distracting us. It's not good or bad. I'm not saying color photography is bad. I love, I shoot most of my pictures in color. Come on. You know, it's not that. But there's a way of a black and white narrowing things down to what's really important. Now, it still carries a sense of mystery with that. That doesn't negate mystery, as we talked about earlier. But it has a way of this is what this picture really is all about. So I took a picture of our cat, Callie, the other day. I posted it on Facebook. It's coming up in a blog. By the time this is posted, uh, it will have come out in one of my daily devotional blogs on the Praying with the Eyes website. And and I loved it because it's really a minimalistic picture of Cali. I There were deep, dark shadows in my backyard, and I took this one actually in black and white. I didn't convert it to black and white. And there were some harsh shadows in the trees around it, and, and it, it just highlighted Cali's in the light. And there's no missing Cali in the other colors that are in, in the picture. It, it took the picture and it, and it focused on her and framed her, the, the shadows and, and the bushes framed her in that picture. And, and 
I see too much color in the world uh, in my life in the sense that I'm distracted by way too many things. As I've mentioned before, probably on a, on a podcast, podcast is my, my patron saint in life is the dog, uh, Doug, D-U-G, from Up. And if you remember, if you've seen the movie Up, you know that Doug's favorite thing is when he sees a squirrel is be distracted. Squirrel. And I have people joke about that with me at work all the time because I'm, well, I'm ADD for one thing. That doesn't help. But uh, uh, that's a world of color. The world of color distracts. Black and white minimalizes things. It takes it down to what's really important. And there's a need in my life to really, and this isn't anything new, to, to figure out what it is that's really important in life. To what is What do I really need to focus on? Uh, one of the good things in my life is that, you know, I don't need as much stuff as I used to. I still need stuff. Don't get me wrong. It's all relative, but I don't need as much stuff as I used to. In fact, I, I sold a motorcycle in order to get a camera, as I mentioned earlier. Um, minimalizing in life is important. And black and white pictures have a way of displaying that that minimalism. So once again, the connections here in in Black and white photography is mystery, use of negative space, emotions, and minimalism. You're listening to the Praying with the Eyes podcast. The musing of this podcast today is based on a Praying with the Eyes devotion that I wrote. Uh, it came out October 7th, so it's not that long ago. The link to this blog is in the show notes for today, along with the points that I've been making so far about film photography and black and white photography and its connection with life. In fact, the the blog itself is named Going Old School. And that's the way I felt the day I took the picture that's uh, posted as a part of this blog. I I posted a black and white one. You know, I'm toying as as I record this with posting both the black and white and the color picture just for contrast's sake. But the picture appeared in the daily devotional blog in black and white. And I felt, like I said, I was going old school. So I, it was a men's retreat at, at uh, Holy Cross. And I um, had taken my new Bronica SQA medium format camera with me. And this is a heavy dude, man. This is a tank of a camera. And so I put it on my tripod, mounted it on my tripod, and that's all I took out into the field with me. And I hadn't gotten very far on the trail to Cedar Mountain. Some of you know that trail very well. You've climbed Cedar Mountain many times, and if you haven't, it's a beautiful hike. And I hadn't gotten very far along the trail, and I was captive. Uh, the scene captivated me of, of young um, aspen trees and older pine trees. Some of you may uh, remember that uh, Lutheran Valley Retreat here in Colorado, uh, outside of Divide, was uh, partially hit by the Hayman Fire, the largest fire in Colorado history. Not the whole thing. So there's some stands of timber that survived the fire and others that were devastated by the fire. And where it was devastated, these aspen trees are now coming up. And I, I saw this contrast. And plus there were... I think three different pine trees that were set off from the group of pine trees in the background. Somehow these three pine trees survived the fire because it looked like the fire went right around them. 
And so I decided to take a picture of, of this scene. It's a little flat. It's not very three-dimensional. But I, I, I uh, set down my camera. I have a light meter on my phone because the camera does not have a built-in light meter. And I got my reading, set my camera up, and snapped the shot. That was a, This was my first shot I took of that roll of 12 that I had out there. And there's this amazing feeling I have, not just with that shot, but with the other 11 that I would take of going old school, hearing the shutter, uh, you know, move and, and then having to advance the film manually, focus manually, do everything manually. <laughs> Get the picture, right? Um, that's old school. And it felt good to go old school. But as a, a way of kind of summarizing what I've been talking about, you see, I enjoy shooting black and white because um, there's always some kind of a a surprise that that awaits me. There's there's when you shoot in black and white, things come out that you may not see in color. And so there's always that kind of surprise. And then shooting on film is is kind of muddy. You know, it's not as, uh, even though I have good le- a good lens on this camera, uh, it's still not that crisp, absolutely per- perfect uh, f- sharpness to the picture. There's a muddiness to it. And it reminds me of what life is like, that life is filled with anxiety, cravings, and fear. We live in an analog world. It's not a digital world. A digital world is on and off, black and white, with with no gray. We live in an analog world where there are various shades of gray, and life can become very confusing for us at times. And maybe you're expecting me to say, well, God is an analog God. I'm not going to say that. In fact, Jesus Christ is very digital. He is very black and white. And the scripture I tied into this passage is the familiar passage from Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. He never changes. There's no shifting of shadows in him. him. I live and you live in a world where there's plenty of gray. There is no gray with Jesus Christ. And that's comforting from this standpoint. We may be thinking about, well, yeah, um, it's black and white, it's sin or not sin, and that's true, I understand that. And that's kind of where we focus, though, but his grace is also black and white. His grace is absolutely sure. There's no gray in it. We are forgiven through the merits of Jesus Christ on the cross, no ifs, ands, or buts, it's the way it is. There's no gray in that. There's no maybe in that or might be, if we do this, if I do that. No, it's grace, absolutely pure grace that forgives me for the for living in my world of gray and making the wrong choices and doing the things that, that hurt God's heart. So we live in a world that's analog, but we thank God that he's not. We thank God that, that every day his love is sure, can be counted on in every aspect of our life. Well, I hope this has been fun for you to listen to this podcast. Again, the Praying with the Eyes podcast is a 
Ministry of Holy Cross Lutheran Church in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Check out our website at holycrosscs.org. You can also go to the Praying with the Eyes website at prayingwiththeeyes.com for daily devotional blogs. And I, I believe on my next I know, I'm pretty firm on this in the next podcast, that Dan Hampton's going to be joining me, and we're going to talk about the Reformation, and it will come out a day early, because the 500th anniversary of the Reformation is October 31st, and that will be the day that uh, the, the next podcast will uh, be posted and ready for your listening enjoyment. Thank you for tuning in to this podcast, and I look forward to you being with me on my next Praying with the Eyes podcast. Thank you for joining us today on this edition of the Praying with the Eyes podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the Praying with the Eyes podcast on iTunes as well as post a review. We look forward to being with you in our next episode.